Last week, when Justin spoke about exponential happiness, the reason I actually called him in the car was because it really spoke to me, because we are made in such a way that happiness is something that's actually, God has made us to be happy. He didn't make us just to exist. He actually made us to be happy. And there's, and there's ways that that's actually proven out. Um, he, he worked on it from a mathematical standpoint last week. I'm going to look at it a little bit differently if I can this morning. Um, as he mentioned, I'm in the business world like many of you. And um, I work for IBM, and I'm in a sales organization. And so if I could, by show of hands, how many of you in the room are in sales? You'd raise your hand to proudly say you're in sales, okay? Everyone else is looking at you, right? Sales. Um, How many of you are in a relationship, married, dating? How many of you have kids? How many of you have parents? You're all in sales, okay? (laughs) Every one of us... Every one of us is in this sales mode where we're, uh, sales is really just about moving people, moving people from one thing to another. Teachers, God bless you teachers. You know, you're about moving children from one idea or one thought to another. You're bringing them up. And sales is an interesting thing, and I spend a lot of time studying sales and studying the way people interact with one another and the way they, they, they do things, the decisions that they make. And, and there's a guy, Jeffrey Gittermer, he wrote a book. He writes many books, but one of them is The Little Red Book of Selling. But in one of the things I, I heard him say once, he said, you know, we make decisions with our heart, and then we justify them with our mind. Um, his, his extension to that is if you pull on the heart, the wallet will pop out. Uh, how many of you have small children? Small children? How many deals do they close? Okay. <laughs> They close them all, right? Because they know exactly how to pull on that heartstring and the wallet just tends to pop out all the time. This is something that we as children understand. We understand that we have wiring, that we have things going on in our heads. And even though that context talks about the heart and the brain, it's happening in our mind. Things are happening in our head that cause us to react to things and to do certain things. Um, in fact, it's amazing the way we're made. It says in uh, Psalm 139, I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I'm marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. If we, if, I mean, I'm amazed at how we're made up and how God has uniquely provided us with what we need in order to fulfill his will, which is to love him and love others. Now, there's a gentleman, Simon Sinek, and I don't know if any of you are aware of him, but he speaks a lot about business, and he talks about relationships and leadership and, and those types of things. And he has a YouTube video and a talk where he says, he talks about how, why leaders eat last. And any of you who've seen that or will see that, you'll notice that a lot of what I'm going to be speaking of today came from that because I was impressed by some of the things he said. Now, he was saying it on behalf of business people and of workers, and God just impressed upon me that we as Christians and what, our, what, what he's done for us. And so, um, again, if, if, if you see that, you'll, you'll see that there's some benefit here. Now, he speaks of what actually happens in our heads. Now, I don't know if we have neuroscientists in the room, if, and, I'm, and I apologize ahead of time if we do, because I'm going to take a topic of chemicals and some of the brain chemicals that we have and, and speak to them uh, at a very high level. Um, I hope I'm accurate in what I'm about to say. It's, it takes a lot from, from what he said and some of the readings that I've done. But he speaks to us about these chemical processes that happen in our brain when certain things happen. And some of these things, again, this is God-ordained stuff. So the first chemical I want to take a look at is dopamine. Oh, excuse me, endorphins. Endorphins. This is the the one that masks pain. How how many of you, some of you, don't you hate it when speakers keep asking you to raise their hand? I apologize. Some of us are runners. I'm not. My running is like I run to the store and I run here and I run there, but that's all the running. I I run to go get something to eat. You know, that's what I run for. Um, (laughs) 
So, you can tell, right? So, some of you are probably runners, and you may run long distances and marathons and so forth. And, and we all know that there's a certain point in which you get to a point to where your muscles are just drained, and you need a little something extra. And endorphins actually kick in to mask over the pain that your body's actually feeling, allowing you to finish the race or to finish the, the course. It's interesting because it's called the runner's high, right? It, it kind of gives you this uplifting feeling. Now, later on, those endorphins will wear off, and you'll start to feel the pain of your run and maybe even some damage that you may have done by pushing yourself so hard. But endorphins is one of those chemicals that allows you to overcome things, to overcome things just because of pain. And God's given us that for a reason. Another chemical that he's given us is dopamine. Now, dopamine is for just getting things done, for doing extraordinary things or doing things that may be ordinary, but just getting them done. Um, there, are, there are many people who, who live by lists, doing things on lists. Um, whether you know this or not, if you create a list of things to do, then as you do them and check them off, you get a little dopamine rush. Okay, you may or may not be aware of it, but you actually get a little feeling of accomplishment. In fact, putting things down on a list actually gives you part, a little bit of a high because you're intending to do them, and then later on you check them off. Now, there are three types of people. I might believe there are three types of people in the world. There's those of the, who really love lists. There's those people who, whew, we've got some list people. Thank God you're here because otherwise we won't get anything done. Because there's a second type of people, and that's the people who hate lists. You know, don't confine me to a list. And, and then there's a, 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 I can't remember the third type. I think it's those who can't remember lists. Um, I, I think I've fallen in that category, okay? But it's, it's actually dopamine, God's given us that so that we can prepare and plan ahead of time. In fact, it's said that, you know, not now so much, but if you were hungry, you could walk across the street, you go down to Polo Loco, you grab something to eat, right? It's real easy. But several hundred years ago, you would have had to plan ahead. You would have had to basically create a list. We need to plant this, we need to harvest this, we need, and then we get to eat. So dopamine helps us get done. So those who are list takers, thank you very much for being there. My wife happens to be a list person, especially when it comes to groceries, Right? She'll send me to the store. She knows our neighborhood Publix like the back of her hand. They remodeled it recently and it turned us into a whole mess. But, but she knows Publix really well. So, so much so she'll take a list and give it to me and it'll be an order of how I walk through the store with coupons laid out. Right? It's marvelous, okay? And I love that about her. I love the fact that we have this list. And so when we go grocery shopping, because I'm not one to just wander around. When we go grocery shopping, she goes with a plan and a purpose, and she has this list. Well, she had a list one time. It was a handwritten list that she had uh, accumulated over the course of a couple of days, and we kept writing things on it. And so we're going through the store, and she has this list. And as she's putting things in, she's checking things off. And, and I was observing her because I knew this material that, that you know, she was getting a little dopamine hit every time she put things in the basket. And it makes her happier, right? So that's, and that's all good. So she's going down this aisle, and there's a condiment section, right? And she looks up, and she sees mayonnaise. Now, we need mayonnaise, but she didn't have it on her list. So what did she do? She reached up and grabbed the mayonnaise and put it in her basket. And list people, what did she do? She wrote it down on her list and checked it off, right? <laughs> I, I watched her to see if she'd do it, and she did it. And I called her on it. And she said, look, this is just the way I work. And I'm thinking, thank God you work this way. Because otherwise, I mean, I come back with four things that don't match. She comes back with what we need to live. So I appreciate the list takers and I appreciate people like that. The, the thing about dopamine and endorphins is they're both chemicals that you can do on your own. 
You can go out and have a run. You can go out and, and, and accomplish something. You can go out and do these things and just get that, that high. And it doesn't require you actually to be involved with anyone else. It's kind of a solitary thing. And the problem with these types of chemicals is when they wear off, you feel lacking. You feel like you need to go do it again. And when they wear off, you still, there's a feeling of, I, I'm still missing something. Because they don't give you what God wants you to have, which is interaction with others and relationships and other things. And these two chemicals by themselves can be very addictive. Okay? I work with people who are very list-driven. And all they're concerned about is getting the list done. And when, sometimes when I, when I encounter these types of people, and I'm not accusing anyone in the room of being that type of person, but when I encounter sometimes I, these people, they will be so focused on getting something done that they don't mind the people around them. They don't look at what the impact's going to be. They, they don't have their heads up because they're so involved with just checking things off. And then when they check things off, they just move on to the next thing, not thinking of, would you, do what I do really matter? Because I just got to get the next thing done. This addictive quality of these two chemicals can actually be harmful. And it's actually shown that things like real addictions that we think of on a normal basis, and treat, please, I'm not someone who deals with addictions or deals with people with addictions, but gambling and alcoholism and drug use and all those things, there's a bit of dopamine that's involved in that because you just want to get that next thing. That's why we call it the runner's high when we talk about the dopamine and endorphins. It gives you a bit of a high. So be careful. These are two chemicals. Now, God, in his mercy and as, and as a creator, would not have just put those two chemicals in our brain and said, have at it. Okay? In fact, if you think about a lot of religions, a lot of religions are based on these things. Are you masking the pain? You may be feeling pain, but just mask over it. And are you actually getting things done? It's a checklist. Yes or no. Do or don't. And that's unfortunate because God, that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to focus on other things. There's other chemicals for us to be engaged with. Serotonin is one of those chemicals. These are the good chemicals. These are the things that, that make us human. Serotonin is one of those things that, again, it requires other people because ser- the act of serotonin is the act of service. It's the thing that floods through the, the fireman that runs into the burning building or the, the, fire, the uh, police officer, law enforcement person who runs toward the gunfire while the rest of us are running away. It's this idea of self-sacrifice. And when I think of serotonin, the image that comes in mind is the image of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. I think of how self-serving that was, how, how much it took for him to actually do that, to actually give up his life for us. And it's something we, we think of, that's, that's something I do, but it really takes this serotonin, it really takes this chemical, this leadership chemical that's in us to actually make this happen. John 15, the very best way of love, put your life on the line for your friends. If you'll forgive me for a minute, I'm going to take a, a little tangent for dads. Okay, this is for dads and, and fathers in the audience. What I'm about to tell you, you can leave this place, or you can even now on your phone go look up this art, articles on this, and you will find a number of articles and a number of findings and a number of books and talks and so forth that's contrary to what I'm about to tell you. But when Christ was here, he called his disciples together, and he said this. He sat them down and summoned the twelve. So you want to be first place, then take last place, be servant of all. And he was talking to men. I have, the Lord's kind of laid on me a concern about what I'm hearing people profess, and dads profess primarily, as me time. I need some me time. Now, I know our women just got back from a retreat, sacred, 
And at that at retreat, I'm sure they talked about how you need to get away at times to have some time alone with the Lord. Men, I'm all for that. You need to have that time with the Lord. You need to have that time in which you can actually think and dwell on what the Lord has for you. But if you have children, especially small children, especially little ones that are looking up to you, do that before they wake up in the morning. Do that after they go to bed at night. If that child is available to you, it's them time. It's them time, okay? It's time for you to be on point, to be on service. Um, I was, I just, we just had a family uh, vacation in Savannah, and I was with my father. And he remind, just being with him reminded me, and I was thinking of this, I can never remember that man ever coming to me as a kid and saying, I know, Lewis, we could spend some time together, but right now I've got to go off and have some me time. Right? Now, he worked two jobs, and he was gone a lot when he was working. But even as a kid, I looked at that, and I knew that was sacrifice. And when we were together, sometimes there was work to do. There was leaves to rake or grass to cut or whatever. That was us time. I mean, and I look back, and I wouldn't trade a minute of that. But guys, I want you to think about self-sacrifice. Because, by the way, those little ones right now, they're going to grow up. They're going to find friends of their own, interests of their own. They're going to go off and get married. Then you can have all the me time you want. All right, but for now, get on point. You guys need to be leaders, and you need to be in your homes helping your kids, and they are supporting your wife. Now, I'm sorry for that tangent. I'll get back to something else. Yeah. Those, are all, those are all women clapping, okay? Oh. There's, a, there's another chemical, and this is the chemical that I want us to focus on, because this is the chemical that I think God put in us specifically so that he expects us to be self-sacrificing. He expects us to have that serotonin in our system and be leaders in self-sacrificing. But some of us may say, well, that's not my character. My character is not one of being up front. My character is not one of, of getting out in front of people and leading. Every one of us has the opportunity to express this chemical. This is oxytocin. Oxytocin is the chemical that's in our brain that allows us to have intimate relationships, allows us to build relationships with one another. It's trust. It's that, that, that one that builds just a connection with people. Okay, oxytocin. Um, if if you were to watch someone drop some groceries on, the, you're walking down the street and someone dropped some groceries on the on the ground and they fell out of their bags and you stepped and helped them put the groceries back in their bag. The act of you doing that actually gives you a little hit of oxytocin. It gives you a little rush. You feel good about it. You feel better about yourself. You, feel, you just feel better because of having done that. Last week, Justin talked about exponential happiness. Whether you know it or not, the person whom you helped, they have that same feeling. They get that same feeling being helped. And the, the, the part of this that grows is anyone who observes that act of kindness gets that same hit, that same rush. That's why when we're on our phones and we see something on Facebook, we see some, a video of someone doing something extraordinary and kind, it actually makes us feel good. And what's the first thing we do? We share it. We want other people to feel that. We are creatures who are made to, to live with oxytocin. Oxytocin is one of those things that is beneficial for several reasons. One of the things about oxytocin, God doesn't create anything that doesn't have a balance to it. Everything is of balance. He never goes one way or the other. And yes, we have these, these things like endorphins and dopamine that's, that's addictive and so forth. Guess what? Oxytocin fights addiction. Okay? If you happen to have a problem with addiction, think about how you can serve others and how you can boost your own oxytocin levels and how that might help you. 
Oxytocin helps inhibit things like, your, I mean, it helps bring, build up things like your immunity system. It helps make you immune to things. It builds up creativity. Imagine if the people around you, if you were to serve them and do things for them, and they were getting this oxytocin, imagine what they could do. Imagine what you could do. Okay? Oxytocin is an incredible, incredible chemical that God has put in our brains and put in our bodies and given us as believers the opportunity to leverage and to use. In early April, I was off at a conference in New York City, and I flew back that evening, and um, when I got home, my wife and I, we were in in the house, and she reminded me that Thursday's trash day, and that the the trash cans needed to go out to the street. So I ran outside. It was a light rain to grab the trash cans, and as I rounded my back steps, I slipped. And when I slipped and fell, something happened to my left knee. Um, I could not, it was one of those I've fallen and can't get up moments, okay? I was just laying there in the, with the mud on me and I couldn't get up. And I wasn't sure what had happened, but it, I was, it hurt, but, and then I tried to get up and I couldn't get up. And so I thought, well, if I hit the car hard enough, it, the alarm will sound. Because I didn't have my phone with me, I couldn't call her. And then I re- realized I'll just drag myself up. So I drug myself up some back steps to the door, rang the doorbell. She comes to me, is like, what's wrong? Uh, my, her parents, my in-laws, um, Father and mother, he comes and helps. They bit me up in a chair, cleaned the mud off, and realized there's something wrong with your knee, something wrong with your leg. Let's take you to the emergency room. So they get me to the car, go to the emergency room at Kennestone. At Kennestone Hospital, they did some tests, and then they, they discovered that I had a um, quadricep tendon rupture. Now, I didn't know what that was, but basically what that is is you have a quadricep muscle, this thigh muscle here, and it's connected to your kneecap and to the lower part of your leg in such a way that there's a big tendon there, so allowing you to lift your leg and move your leg around and so forth. That tendon had been torn completely. It was gone. Uh, so my leg was just doing this, right? Not a good thing, all right? So they, they gave me a brace, a leg brace, and gave me crutches, and the guy at the emergency room, this was late at night, gave me, said, said go home, um, call your orthopedic surgeon. It's repairable. Um, they'll schedule a surgery for you probably within the next couple of weeks, you know, whatever you can schedule in, and just go off and do that. Now, I get into the car, and in my head, you know, I'm one of, the, I'm one of these guys of problem solvers. I've got things to do. I'm busy. And so I'm thinking, well, next week, I actually have to be back in New York to do a, an event, and um, I can do this. I mean, I have crutches. I have a brace. I've seen people go through the airport. People travel like this all the time. I can do this. My wife driving is thinking a little less of my ability to do it, right? She's a little... Not so sure, but we get home. She rushes up to the door to unlock the door. It's a side, side entrance with a couple of steps. I'm going up the steps with my crutches, and crutch slips. I'm on my good leg, but it collapses. Oh, right. And I crumble just down in a heap. I tear up the, the, the handrail. I'm laying there. She's going, he's fallen again. You know, and I hear my father-in-law coming up. You know, what happened? And he, well, he's down again. They look out, and here I am in the... You're laying on these on steps. But I'm laying there, looking up, and it's ra- still raining. And the floodlight's on, so it's dark, but I see raindrops coming down and hitting me on the face. And I, I verbally spoke out loud and said, Okay, God, you have my attention. All right? This, it was one of those moments where it's like, I am done. There's, I can't do anything. I can't move. I, there's no way for me to get out of this. And at least it's going to be you, Lord. So anyway, we pulled myself up on the steps or up on the porch. And I scooted myself around. I should tell you, my bedroom, second floor. 
get to the steps, you know, but up each, each step, you know, get to the, the floor, scoot across the carpet, get to the bed. My elderly father-in-law and my wife do the best to get my torso as far as they can up on the bed. I climb into bed and lay down. Now, I should mention too, I'm under pain medicine. So I could be wrong in some of these details, but that's the best I can remember. So I get in the bed, and I don't know if I've hurt my knee or what. I don't know what's going on, but I just lay there and have a decent night's sleep. The next morning, I wake up, and I'm going to test this guy out, right? So my brace is on, crutches on, sit on the side of the bed. My wife's standing there watching to see how I do. I came off the bed, and it was like Pinocchio with the strings cut. It was just on the floor again. He's fallen again, you know, because <laughs> downstairs, they just hear this big clump, and I'm laying there on the floor face down. And, and at that point, I just say, you know, okay, let's, let's just call an ambulance. Let's get this thing over with and get some firefighters in here or whatever you need. But, I, but again, solving in my head, I'm thinking, I got up the stairs. I can get down the stairs so they don't have to take me so far. So I go back and scooch down the stairs. I'm sitting at the bottom of the stairs when the firefighters and the ambulance arrive. And they, they take me down the last couple of steps out to the hospital. So you can imagine the surprise of the emergency room workers when I show up yet six hours later. And they're going, left, right leg? What, right leg? What is it? I thought it was left leg. No, it's the right leg. They do, the, they do the inspection, quadricep tendon rupture, right leg, okay? It's called, now it's called a bilateral quadricep tendon rupture, um, which I'm proud to say um, happens very, very rarely. It usually happens at the same time from people doing things like jumping out of buildings or parachutes not opening or X Games kind of thing. You know, not from slipping and falling, getting trash cans and slipping out for crutches. And the fact that it happened hours from one another and not at the same time was almost medical journalist, you know, worthy. But they're telling me, you're the most unlucky guy in the world. How? Gosh. What they didn't know was because of that, because I'm useless at this point, they immediately admitted me in the hospital. I had surgery the following day, and now I'm on my way to recovery. Okay, so that's great. The other thing that I think back now and think of God's provision is I think I hurt the first one. I hurt this one on the first fall. But if I had not re-injured it immediately, they would have fixed this one. I would have been in therapy doing all that, and then this one would have hurt, and then I'd gone through recovery. So I went through recovery of both twice at the same time, which was beautiful. I'm now able to walk. Stairs are still an issue, and there's some other things. But when they return me home, lights blazing, firefighters and everything, they take this gurney and this, this big blanket that looks like a burrito and wrap me in it and drag me around through my house and into the bed and get me up in the bed. And I lay in my bed, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm here. And then I realize, I'm here for five to six weeks. I've got braces on my legs, I can't move them. The best I can do is I have a walker to get around in. There's things that have to be done. I should note that in the time that this happened, my wife and I were in the middle of a, of a home construction project. I'm one of those do-it-yourselfers, okay? That's, that's our downstairs area. That's our back door, by the way. Um, my dad was one that, you know, if you want to do something, just get to it. Just do, so I do, I do anything. So I'm at this point. Um, there's no tile on the floor. There's saws and stuff all through the house in the bottom stairs. Um, there's a door, and, and, and I've got sheetrock off. I've got plumbing that I've done. I've done some electrical work. But there's still a lot of work that has to be done. And here I am laying up in the bed thinking, I can't bend my legs for five weeks. It's going to be 12 weeks before I'm actually walking around without aid, and then it's going to be a while after that. I, I mean, I still have problems kneeling down and getting up. I have to kind of plan things ahead of time. If I'm going to kneel down, there better be a chair nearby or something to get up. Those of you who are young, you don't have to worry about this. But when you get older, you begin looking ahead and saying, what curb do I have to deal with? You know, That's where I'm at right now. 
And I'm thinking to myself, I've got this, and this is in April. This is before, you know, family starts coming over for summer and we start having kids. It's like this. And by the way, ladies, do you want this to be the room you want to entertain in? Right? And so I begin thinking with my wife and praying, Lord, we, I, don't know, I don't know a carpenter. I don't know a plumber. I don't know an electrician. I have no idea what these things cost. I never used them. So what's going to happen? I'm at a loss. Is Juan Reyes in the room? Does Juan happen to be here? He may not be here. Justin came to me and said, Louis, knowing the predicament, he said, Louis, I've mentioned you to Juan Reyes, and Juan has a construction team. And Juan's sending his team over, and they're going to take care of it. Okay? I give Juan applause, please. As, as someone who's used to taking care of things, to be laying there knowing I can't do anything and having God provide Juan and his team to come over. And they did just a marvelous job. That's what it, you look like. That's what it looks like now. Okay? <laughs> Highly recommend Juan for any work. But I can't tell you the oxytocin rush that I got and just the comfort that I felt by someone extending themselves and saying, look, I'm going to take care of this for you. I'm going to do this for you. And I will tell you, every time... I pass that doorway when I come down the stairs, I think of one, and it gives me a little rush. There are things, and little things, that's a big thing, but there are little things that you can do as a believer, as someone who works alongside someone else, someone who interacts with someone else at, a, at, at your school or at daycare or whatever. There's things that you can do that will just be impactful and meaningful to people, and it'll give them that, it'll give them that little oxytocin push, that little bit of health and happiness. The interesting thing about oxytocin is that it builds up over time. You can't just do the one big sacrificial thing once a year and, and call it done. Okay? You need to keep doing it over and over again. This church is an oxytocin-rich church. One of the things about oxytocin is touch. Shaking hands, hugging people. I can tell you, especially if you're new here, I don't know what happened from the time you left the car, but for me, when you leave the car... By the time you get in here, you have been hugged, smiled at, hands shook. Who knows what has happened? And if you haven't experienced that, it's probably because you came in looking unhuggable. All right? <laughs> so my encouragement to you is if you want to get in on this, come in the door and grab somebody and hug them. Okay? It won't matter. People will love it. But we, are, we touch people. We, we hug on people. We embrace people. We come alongside people. That's what we do. Okay? That's, that's what we do here at this church. That's what you should do as a believer. So as we look at this week, as we look at what we're going to do, and turning this back somewhat to business, in business, there is a term called the ROI. If I'm going to invest time or energy or resources in something, I'm going to be concerned about the ROI. The ROI for business is the return on my investment. How soon am I going to get, if I put $1,000 towards something, when am I going to get that $1,000 back from benefits? And I want to get it back soon, the ROI. I want us as a church to think of ROI differently. I want us to remember oxytocin's impact. I want you to remember what impact that you have on people just by showing acts of kindness. And that act of kindness brings happiness, not just to you, but to the people to whom you serve, as well as to the people around you. I'm a, I'm a man in your neighborhood. I'm driving off away from my home. Maybe I'm going off for some me time. And I see you, young man, in your yard with your kids playing and being kind to them. Whether you know that or not, I'm going to feel that. I'm going to see that. And I'm going to want more of that. 
And even though I go and I do my dopamine thing, I get things done, I get my endorphin, I come back and I don't feel fulfilled. Why? Because I didn't do that relationship thing. Challenge one another. Build relationships. Build trust. Build this connection with people in a way that God intended us to do. And don't just focus on getting things done or just masking pain. Focus on being a leader. Focus on helping others in, in a way that it matters, that actually, it's actually meaningful, okay? So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for this church. And when I say this church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the believers. I'm looking at faces. Lord, I, I see people in this audience. We are your church. Um, Father, I, I can recall. I recall a, a, a poem that, I, that, that you impressed upon me as a kid. It was, you know, you're, you're, you're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by things, deeds that you do and by words that you say. People read what you write, whether faithful or true, what is the gospel according to you? And I remember that, Lord. I remember how as a kid, it made me think, what are people seeing? Are they seeing Christ in me? And Lord, I want, us to, I want us as a church, I want us to spread oxytocin. I want us this week, Lord, to focus on how we can help others. I want it to make a change, change here in Cherokee and Cobb County, Lord. I want, us, want people to see this and see not that we're just being servants, but I want them to feel good about what they're seeing. I want them to see us helping others and want to help others themselves, Father. Empower us, Lord, with your spirit. We give this to you in Christ's name. Amen.